Aphorisms 27 to 32 of Book 2 of the New Organon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. The New Organon by Francis Bacon. Translated by James Spedding, Robert Leslie Ellis, and Douglas Denon Heath. Aphorisms 27 to 32 of book two twenty seven among prerogative instances i will put in the sixth place instances conformable or of analogy which i also call parallels or physical resemblances they are those which represent the resemblances and conjugations of things not in lesser forms bracket, as constitutive instances do close bracket, but merely in the concrete hence they may be called the first and lowest steps toward the union of nature nor do they constitute any axiom immediately from the beginning but simply point out and mark a certain agreement in bodies but although they are of little use for the discovery of forms they nevertheless are very serviceable in revealing the fabric of the parts of the universe and anatomizing its members from which they often lead us along to sublime and noble axioms especially those which relate to the configuration of the world rather than to simple forms and natures for example these following are instances of conformity a looking-glass and the eye and again the construction of the ear and places returning an echo from which conformity to say nothing of the mere observation of the resemblance which is in many respects useful it is easy to gather and form this axiom that the organs of the senses and bodies which produce reflections to the senses are of a like nature again upon this hint the understanding easily rises to a higher and nobler axiom which is this that there is no difference between the consents or sympathies of bodies endowed with sensation and those of inanimate bodies without sensation except that in the former an animal spirit is added to the body so disposed but is wanting in the latter whence it follows that there might be as many senses in animals as there are sympathies between inanimate bodies if there were perforations in the animate body allowing the animal spirit to pass freely into a member rightly disposed as into a fit organ again as many as are the senses in animals so many without doubt are the motions in an inanimate body where animal spirit is wanting though necessarily there are many more motions in inanimate bodies than there are senses inanimate on account of the paucity of organs of sense and of this a manifest example is exhibited in pain for though there are many kinds and varieties of pain in animals bracket, as the pain of burning for one of intense cold for another again of pricking squeezing stretching and the like close bracket, it is yet most certain that all of them as far as the motion is concerned exist in inanimate substances for example in wood or stone when it is burned or frozen or pricked or cut or bent or stretched and so on though they do not enter the senses for want of the animal spirit again the roots and branches of plants bracket, which may seem strange close bracket, are conformable instances for all vegetable matter swells and pushes out its parts to the surface as well upward as downward nor is there any other difference between roots and branches than that the root is buried in the ground while the branches are exposed to the air and sun 
For if you take a tender and flourishing branch of a tree, and bend it down into a clod of earth, although it does not cohere with the ground itself, it presently produces not a branch, but a root, and vice versa. If earth can be placed at the top, and so kept down with a stone, or any hard substance, as to check the plant, and prevent it from shooting upward, it will put forth branches into the air downward. Again, the gums of trees, and most rock-gems, are conformable instances, for both of these are nothing else than exudations, and filterings of juices, the former from trees, the latter from rocks, whence is produced the splendour and clearness in each, that is, by the fine and delicate filtering. Hence, too, it is that the hairs of animals are not generally so beautiful and of so vivid a colour as the feathers of birds, viz., because the juices do not filter so finely through the skin as through quills. Again, the scrotum in males and the matrix in females are conformable instances, so that the great organic difference between the sexes, bracket, in land animals at least, close bracket, appears to be nothing more than that the one organization is external and the other internal. That is to say, the greater force of heat in the male thrusts the genitals outward, whereas in the female the heat is too feeble to affect this, and thus they are contained within. The fins of fish, again, and the feet of quadrupeds, or the feet and wings of birds, are conformable instances, to which Aristotle has added the four folds in the motion of serpents, whence it appears that in the structure of the universe the motion of living creatures are generally affected by a quaternion of limbs or of bendings. Again, the teeth of land animals, and the beaks of birds are conformable instances, from which it is manifest that in all perfect animals there is a determination of some hard substance to the mouth. Nor is that an absurd similitude of conformity which has been remarked between man and a plant inverted, for the root of the nerves and faculties in animals is the head, while the seminal parts are the lowest, the extremities of the legs and arms not reckoned. In a plant, on the other hand, the root, bracket, which answers to the head, close bracket, is generally placed in the lowest part, and the seeds in the highest. To conclude, it cannot too often be recommended and enjoined that men's diligence in investigating and amassing natural history be henceforward entirely changed, and turned into the direction opposite to that now in use. For hitherto, men have used great and indeed over-curious diligence in observing the variety of things, and explaining the exact specific differences of animals, herbs, and fossils, most of which are rather sports of nature than of any serious use toward science. Such things indeed serve to delight, and sometimes even give help in practice, but for getting insight into nature they are of little service or none. Men's labour therefore should be turned to the investigation and observation of the resemblances and analogies of things, as well in wholes as in parts, for these it is that detect the unity of nature, and lay a foundation for the constitution of sciences. But here must be added a strict and earnest caution, that those only are to be taken for conformable and analogous instances which indicate, bracket, as I said at the beginning, close bracket, physical resemblances, that is, real and substantial resemblances, resemblances grounded in nature, not accidental or merely apparent, much less superstitious or curious resemblances, such as the writers on natural magic, bracket, very frivolous persons, hardly to be named in connection with such serious matters as we are now about, close bracket, 
are everywhere parading. Similitudes and sympathies of things that have no reality, which they describe and sometimes invent with great vanity and folly. But to leave these, the very configuration of the world itself, in its greatest parts, presents conformable instances which are not to be neglected. Take, for example, Africa, and the region of Peru, with the continent stretching to the Straits of Magellan, in each of which tracts there are similar isthmuses and similar promontories, which can hardly be by accident. Again, there is the old and new world, both of which are broad and extended towards the north, narrow and pointed towards the south. We have also most remarkable instances of conformity in the intense cold existing in what is called the middle region of the air, and the violent fires which are often found bursting forth from beneath the ground, which two things are ultimities and extremes. That is to say, the extreme of the nature of cold toward the circumference of the sky, of heat toward the bowels of the earth, by antiperistasis, or the rejection of the contrary nature. Lastly, the conformity of instances in the axioms of science is deserving of notice. Thus, the rhetorical trope of deceiving expectation is conformable with the musical trope of avoiding or sliding from the close or cadence. The mathematical postulate, that if two things are equal to the same thing, they are equal to one another, is conformable with the rule of the syllogism in logic, which unites propositions agreeing in a middle term. In fine, a certain sagacity in investigating and hunting out physical conformities and similitudes is of very great use in very many cases. 28. Among prerogative instances, I will put in the seventh place singular instances, which I also call irregular, or heteroclite, to borrow a term from grammarians. They are such as exhibit bodies in the concrete, which seem to be out of the course and broken off from the order of nature, and not agreeing with other bodies of the same kind. For conformable instances are like each other, singular instances are like themselves alone. The use of singular instances is the same as that of clandestine, namely, to raise and unite nature for the purpose of discovering kinds of common natures, to be afterward limited by true specific differences. For we are not to give up the investigation until the properties and qualities found in such things as may be taken for miracles of nature be reduced and comprehended under some form or fixed law so that all the irregularity or singularity shall be found to depend on some common form, and the miracle shall turn out to be only in the exact specific differences, and the degree, and the rare occurrence, not in the species itself. Whereas now the thoughts of men go no further than to pronounce such things the secrets and mighty works of nature, things, as it were, causeless, and exceptions to general rules. Examples of singular instances are the sun and moon among stars, the magnet among stones, quicksilver among metals, the elephant among quadrupeds, the venereal sense among kinds of touch, the scent of hounds among kinds of smell. So among grammarians, the letter S is held singular, on account of its easy combination with consonants, sometimes with two, sometimes even with three, which property no other letter has. Such instances must be regarded as most valuable, because they sharpen and quicken investigation, and help to cure the understanding, depraved by custom and the common course of things. 29. 
Among prerogative instances, I will put in the eighth place deviating instances, that is, errors, vagaries, and prodigies of nature, wherein nature deviates and turns aside from her ordinary course. Errors of nature differ from singular instances in this, that the latter are prodigies of species, the former of individuals. Their use is pretty nearly the same, for they correct the erroneous impressions suggested to the understanding by ordinary phenomena, and reveal common forms, for in these also we are not to desist from inquiry until the cause of the deviation is discovered. This cause, however, does not rise properly to any form, but simply to the latent process that leads to the form. For he that knows the ways of nature will more easily observe her deviations, and, on the other hand, he that knows her deviations will more accurately describe her ways. They differ in this also from singular instances, that they give much more help to practice and the operative part, for to produce new species would be very difficult, but to very known species, and thereby produce many rare and unusual results, is less difficult. Now it is an easy passage from miracles of nature to miracles of art, for if nature be once detected in her deviation, and the reason thereof made evident, there will be little difficulty in leading her back by art to the point whither she strayed by accident, and that not only in one case, but also in others. For errors on one side point out and open the way to errors and deflections on all sides. Under this head there is no need of examples, they are so plentiful, for we have to make a collection or particular natural history of all prodigies and monstrous births of nature, of everything in short that is in nature new rare and unusual. This must be done, however, with the strictest scrutiny, that fidelity may be ensured. Now those things are to be chiefly suspected which depend in any way on religion, as the prodigies of Livy, and those not less which are found in writers on natural magic or alchemy, and men of that sort, who are a kind of suitors and lovers of fables. But whatever is admitted must be drawn from grave and credible history, and trustworthy reports." 30. Among prerogative instances I will put in the ninth place bordering instances, which I also call participles. They are those which exhibit species of bodies that seem to be composed of two species, or to be rudiments between one species and another. These instances might with propriety be reckoned among singular or heteroclite instances, for in the whole extent of nature they are of rare and extraordinary occurrence, but nevertheless for their worth's sake, they should be ranked and treated separately, for they are of excellent use in indicating the composition and structure of things, and suggesting the causes of the number and quality of the ordinary species in the universe, and carrying on the understanding from that which is to that which may be. Examples of these are moss, which holds a place between putrescence and a plant, some comets, between stars and fiery meteors, flying fish, between birds and fish, bats, between birds and quadrupeds, also the ape, between man and beast. Simia quam similis turpissima bestia nobis. Likewise, the biform births of animals, mixed of different species, and the like. 31. Among prerogative instances, I will put in the tenth place instances of power, or of the facis. Bracket, to borrow a term from the badges of empire, close bracket, which I also call instances of the wit, or hands of man. 
these are the noblest and most consummate works in each art exhibiting the ultimate perfection of it for since our main object is to make nature serve the business and conveniences of man it is altogether agreeable to that object that the works which are already in man's power should bracket, like so many provinces formerly occupied and subdued close bracket, be noted and enumerated especially such as are the most complete and perfect because starting from them we shall find an easier and nearer passage to new works hitherto unattempted for if from an attentive contemplation of these a man pushes on his work with zeal and activity he will infallibly either advance them a little further or turn them aside to something in their neighbourhood or even apply and transfer them to some more noble use nor is this all but as by rare and extraordinary works of nature the understanding is excited and raised to the investigation and discovery of forms capable of including them so also is this done by excellent and wonderful works of art and that in a much greater degree because the method of creating and constructing such miracles of art is in most cases plain whereas in the miracles of nature it is generally obscure but with these also we must use the utmost caution lest they depress the understanding and fasten it as it were to the ground for there is danger lest the contemplation of such works of art which appear to be very summits of crowning points of human industry may so astonish and bind and bewitch the understanding with regard to them that it shall be incapable of dealing with any other but shall think that nothing can be done in that kind except by the same way in which these were done only with the use of greater diligence and more accurate preparation whereas on the contrary this is certain that the ways and means of achieving the effects and works hitherto discovered and observed are for the most part very poor things and that all power of a high order depends on forms and is derived in order from the sources thereof not one of which has yet been discovered and therefore bracket, as i have said elsewhere close bracket, if a man had been thinking of the war-engines and battering-rams of the ancients though he had done it with all his might and spent his whole life in it yet he would never have lighted on the discovery of cannon acting by means of gunpowder nor again if he had fixed his observation and thought on the manufacture of wool and cotton would he ever by such means have discovered the nature of the silkworm or of silk hence it is that all the discoveries which can take rank among the nobler of their kind have bracket, if you observe close bracket, being brought to light not by small elaborations and extensions of arts but entirely by accident now there is nothing which can forestall or anticipate accident bracket, which commonly acts only at long intervals close bracket, except the discovery of forms particular examples of such instances it is unnecessary to adduce for there is such an abundance of them for what we have to do is simply this to seek out and thoroughly inspect all mechanical arts and all liberal too bracket, as far as they deal with works close bracket, and make therefrom a collection or particular history of the great and masterly and most perfect works in every one of them together with the mode of their production or operation and yet i do not tie down the diligence that should be used in such a collection to those works only which are esteemed the masterpieces and mysteries of any art and which excite wonder for wonder is the child of rarity and if a thing be rare though in kind it be no way extraordinary yet it is wondered at while on the other hand things which really call for wonder 
on account of the difference in species which they exhibit as compared with other species, yet if we have them by us in common use, are but slightly noticed. Now the singularities of art deserve to be noticed no less than those of nature, of which I have already spoken, and as among the singularities of nature I placed the sun, the moon, the magnet, and the like. Things in fact most familiar, but in nature almost unique. So also must we do with the singularities of art. For example, a singular instance of art is paper, a thing exceedingly common. Now if you observe them with attention, you will find that artificial materials are either woven in upright and transverse threads, as silk, woolen, or linen cloth, and the like, or cemented of concreted juices, as bricks, earthenware, glass, enamel, porcelain, etc., which are bright if well united, but if not, are hard indeed, but not bright. But all things that are made of concrete juices are brittle, and no way cohesive or tenacious. On the contrary, paper is a tenacious substance that may be cut or torn, so that it imitates and almost rivals the skin or membrane of an animal, the leaf of a vegetable, and the like pieces of nature's workmanship. For it is neither brittle like glass, nor woven as cloth, but is in fibres, not distinct threads, just like natural materials, so that among artificial materials you will hardly find anything similar. But it is altogether singular, and certainly among things artificial those are to be preferred which either come nearest to an imitation of nature, or on the contrary overrule and turn her back. Again, as instances of the wit and hand of man, we must not altogether contemn juggling and conjuring tricks, for some of them, though in use trivial and ludicrous, yet in regard to the information they give may be of much value. Lastly, matters of superstition and magic, bracket, in the common acceptation of the word, close bracket, must not be entirely omitted, for although such things lie buried deep beneath a mass of falsehood and fable, yet they should be looked into a little, for it may be that in some of them some natural operation lies at the bottom, as in fascination, strengthening of the imagination, sympathy of things at a distance, transmission of impressions from spirit to spirit, no less than from body to body, and the like. 32. From what has been said, it is clear that the five classes of instances last mentioned, bracket, namely, instances conformable, singular, deviating, bordering, and of power, close bracket, ought not to be reserved until some certain nature be in question, bracket, as the other instances which I have placed first, and most of those that are to follow should, close bracket, but a collection of them must be begun at once, as a sort of particular history, because they serve to digest the matters that enter the understanding, and to correct the ill complexion of the understanding itself, which cannot but be tinged and infected, and at length perverted and distorted, by daily and habitual impression. These instances, therefore, should be employed as a sort of preparative for setting right and purging the understanding, for whatever withdraws the understanding from the things to which it is accustomed, smooths and levels its surface for the reception of the dry and pure light of true ideas. Moreover, such instances paved and prepared the way for the operative part, as will be shown in the proper place, when I come to speak of deductions leading to practice. End of Aphorisms 27-32 of Book 2 Recording by Geoffrey Edwards